And stand, if you would. Galatians 3, verse 10. Let's read through. We're going to be going through verse 18 today. Verse 10. For as many as are of the works of the law are under the curse. For it is written, Cursed is everyone who does not continue in all things which are written in the book of the law to do them. But that no one is justified by the law in the sight of God is evident, for the just shall live by faith. Yet the law is not of faith, but the man who does them shall live by faith. Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law, having become a curse for us. For it is written, Cursed is everyone who hangs on a tree, that the blessing of Abraham might come upon the Gentiles in Christ Jesus, that we might receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. Brethren, I speak in the manner of men, though it is only a man's covenant. Yet, if it is confirmed, no one annuls or adds to it. Now to Abraham and his seed were the promises made. He does not say, and to seeds, as of many, but as of, as of one. And to your seed, who is Christ. And this I say, that the law, which was 430 years later, cannot annul the covenant that was confirmed before God in Christ that it make promise the promise of no effect. For if the inheritance is of the law, it is no longer of promise, but God gave it to Abraham by promise. Let's pray. Lord, we, uh, we thank you for this time this morning, and um, we thank you for your word that just gives us clear direction and insight and uh, leads us to life. So God, we pray that you would um, speak to us this morning through your word, by your spirit, you would touch our hearts and that we would be changed. So God, we pray that you go before us and just be ministering amongst us. Um, and there'd be a word, a fitting word for each person here. Lord, praise you in Jesus name. Amen. All right. You may be seated. We are slowly making our way through Galatians here because I think going slow is this is just foundational doctrine, like foundational stuff. And there, this is so life-giving if we really get it, not just understand it mentally, but let this, this sink deep into our hearts. Um, it is all about Jesus. The whole Bible is all about Jesus, but this is all about the finished work of Christ and trusting in him for salvation as well as, or justification and us becoming saved, but also in our sanctification, the whole process, uh, to be able to trust him as we grow in holiness towards him, to trust him to make us holy, not to, you know, become, you know, saved and become a Christian. And then now we have to try and make ourselves holy. Paul, again, is, is going after the Judaizers who had come in and had uh, messed up the Galatians in their thinking uh, to believe that salvation indeed came through Christ, but holiness was done through the works of the law, meaning that basically they were adding to their salvation, which really, in a sense, made, meant that they didn't need Christ. So Paul is attacking that um, by really laying out through the last couple of chapters, justification being by faith. We are justified. We are, uh, our standing is secure in Christ. No other way. Because if there was another way, then why did Jesus have to die, right? So that's 
where we're at. The, the message that we titled today is going to be called Curses and Blessings. We're going to see kind of both sides here, uh, uh, living in the law or in faith. Verse 10, for as many as are of the works of the law are under the curse, for it is written, cursed is everyone who does not continue in all things which are written in the book of the law to do them. Uh, these are the works of, a, it says, as uh, are the works of the law. That's what he's talking about. The works of the law, this is how you end up being under the curse. Curse, a curse is kind of like a weird word, right? Especially for, for us, you're like being cursed by witches or something like that. You're like, what does that mean? Like, what does God have anything to do with cursing? Uh, but this, in the basically the practical thing is we're, we're doomed. <laughs> we are doomed under the law. The law's whole point was to show us that we're doomed. That was the whole purpose, right? That's to show us that we couldn't, work our way out. We couldn't find our, uh, our way to salvation in and of ourselves. It's the self-sufficiency and, and autonomy we look for in thinking that we can do it on our own. We, we desire to be our own savior, right? We don't like thinking people had to save us. Like you could help someone out from falling off a building and then they probably say, I had it. I got it. You know, why did you have to do that? You embarrassed me in front of my friends. You're like, no, no, I'm, <laughs> I'm, trying to, I'm trying to help you. I'm trying to save you. I'm trying to show you, you know, you didn't have it. I could tell you didn't have it. I could see it in your eyes. You didn't have it. You weren't making it in and of yourself. If we choose to live under the law, it is a choice. Yeah, we make that choice. Uh, and, and then we're choosing to be under the curse. We've talked about this a lot. It's self-assured belief that you are holy. But the Bible doesn't say you are. It says you aren't. So if we make the choice to put ourselves under the law, this is legalism. This is where we try to be good. And, and uh, you know, if I, my good deeds outweigh my bad deeds, then, you know, the good man, the good guy upstairs, he'll, he'll take care of me, you know. If I, I'm a lot better than a lot of people out there. Believe you me. I'm a little, you know, I could be generous at times. You know, I said a blessing before Thanksgiving meal, you know, whatever it is that you makes you think that you're morally superior or that you're okay. uh, That is, that is man centered to think that you can do this on your own because the whole, again, the whole purpose of the law was to show you, you can't do it. It was a curse. It was a, a, a sign that you are so guilty and there is no way out. You can't get outside of this. You say, are we cursed? That's what people say. Are we cursed? We can't win a softball game right now. Is there, no, there is no curse, okay? Well, we were, uh, I grew up in San Bernardino. We had something called the Orange Show. And it's this fairgrounds and, and they used to have races there. And um, the, it was said to have been built on an Indian burial ground. And so they said it's cursed and it rains every orange show. That's what everyone says. It's a curse. There's the curse. It rains. It's like exactly in the rainy season, you know, for some reason it rains in, you know, March or whatever it is. But that, that we always talk about that. Oh, we're under this or we're under that. We're under this. A curse is it, it, it kind of speaks to there being no way out. Like something Bigger than ourselves is holding us down. And the law points to the reality that we are cursed. The curse is sin. We are under sin and the law 
points out that sin. But the law doesn't really give us a way to fix that because you could say, oh, I, I, you know, I, I, I'm good at keeping the law. If you're guilty in one thing, you're no longer, you know, good at keeping the law. You can say, I've kept every, every rule my whole entire life. But if you mess up one time, then you are a lawbreaker. There is no grading on the curve. Because sin made us imperfect. And, and we were born into this. We are born into sin. And we are imperfect. And we're, we're flawed. And the reason that's a problem is because God is perfect. And so we can't have any kind of relationship or fellowship with him because he's perfect. So perfect, imperfect, they don't go together, right? You can't mix them together because that's anyway. So God says, I have the remedy. I will send my son. All you have to do is accept what he did on your behalf. He will become the curse. We'll get into that in a second. And you will be free. And, and. That continues on, the continuing accepting in that. But pride says, no, I want to build it. I want to make it. I want to do it my own way. Paul is, again, coming back with Old Testament scripture, using the Old Testament to back up what he's saying. A couple weeks ago, he was speaking from experience, both his and theirs, in how they received the Holy Spirit and the way that the Lord had met them. And the last two weeks, as we've been going through this, he's been using scripture to back it up. It is important to back up what you believe with scripture because everyone has a different idea and a different mentality. And we are so good at justifying ourselves, right? We are so good at making it work out in our head, doing the math, you know, crunching the numbers and maybe cooking the books a little bit to feel like we're okay and we're good. But the scripture brings us back to God's standard, which shows us guilty. And that's important. So Paul, using scripture, has a quote here from Deuteronomy 27, verse 36. It says, cursed is or cursed is everyone who does not continue in all things which are written in the book of the law to do them. Uh, Cursed is anyone who doesn't do all. All things. It's that it's all things. <laughs> you, that does not continue. Everything. All the things in the law. So you're feeling high and you know mighty. Cursed is anyone who doesn't who misses any part of that. Or or at the end, the last part of it is to do them. So have, are you guilty of? Making a mistake or messing up or sinning. Yeah. Or are you guilty of not doing what you're supposed to do? There's like the whole part of uh, doing what you're not supposed to do and then not doing what you are supposed to do. They're both covered here. And we all, if we're honest, know we are extremely guilty uh, according to that standard. No one can stand. We aren't supposed to stand. And this makes us align with God's plan. Guilty. This is a good thing. This is eye-opening. This is the first start to change. The first thing we have to recognize is, I'm guilty. I'm a mess. I'm not okay. I can't do this on my own. And you go, how is that good news? Just wait. It'll get better because it wasn't about you. (laughs) Verse 11, but that no one is justified by the law in the sight of God is evident. It should become very evident to you. You should 
absolutely know that no one's justified in the sight of the law because of what? Habakkuk 2.4. Another quote from the Old Testament. The just shall live by faith. If we're to be justified, if we're to be right in front of God, in the eyes of God, it will be by faith. That's from the Old Testament. Remember, last week we talked a lot about Abraham. How was Abraham justified? By faith. He, had belie- he believed in the promises of God. That is what made him righteous. It was through, through that that he was justified. Those justified are justified by faith. There's no way we can do it on our own. Now, what's interesting, it says, shall live by faith. Not just accept Christ and, and attain, obtain salvation. It shall live by faith. And I think one of the hard things is it, the way we live, where we, you know, how we have to interact with the world, is uh, a lot of times we recognize that. Yeah, Jesus, yeah, he's the way to salvation. 100%, I get that. I know I can't work my way. There's no way. But then we think that our sanctification is built on working our way, doing things to become more like him. Well, what really we're missing and missing the point, I actually was just reading a book this week that's been rocking my world, is just how desperate we are for him all the time, constantly, for every little thing. God doesn't save us to become kind of better versions of ourselves. He saves us to make us brand new creations and then instruments that he can use for good works. Each one of us. And so you're justified by faith and then you live by faith. As we continue to live by faith, everything that we do is faith that, that God is working something in us, doing something in us, sealed by the promise, promise of the Holy Spirit that's not going to leave us the way we were, but wants to bring in us these fruits that look like Jesus to a world that desperately needs to see him. This is good news. But it's only founded by faith. And a lot of the issues we see, I think, in Christianity is where it starts off by faith and then we start doing it by works. And and it's pretty obvious when it becomes a works thing. You become real rigid, stiff, self-assured, self-righteous. And you're not really that loving or cool or nice at all. (laughs) Because if you recognize that it's by faith, you know You have nothing to offer to the table. You know you're super guilty every day. I mean, who's made it this far today without sinning? You know, you're like, like, think back real quick. And if you're wondering if you have or not, you can ask, you know, the person you came with. Have I made it? You don't even have to ask, do you? You know. Because we can't hold it together for a morning. We can't, you know, we can't get... We definitely can't make it a day or a week or a month. And because, so it brings us to the place of humility and receiving grace by faith. And then what, what's the result is that we offer up grace and mercy to those around us. Because we recognize we need it, so do they. As we have this, this vertical relationship with God, it spreads out into this horizontal relationship with others. Pastor Tim had a great story about the way God used him uh, this, this week. 
opened his eyes to seeing through just the, the things on the outside. We, we see hard exteriors and, and we fight things in the flesh way too often when God puts people in our paths, in our place, whether it be family members, whether it be friends, whether it be strangers, whether it be even seemingly enemies to let us affect them to, uh, as if we're walking with him to, to, uh, hopefully be a light and to be Christ, you know, basically in his, to, to reach out like that, to be his hands and his feet extended to this world and to change us. God, I need more grace because I did not do well with that situation. It's actually, it's funny. I was reading in that book and he was saying how, uh, we have such an in like grained mentality to think of ourselves as, uh, being deserving of something great. Like we, we want to be in charge of our lives and have everything work out for us. And, and he says, nothing just makes him more upset than coming home with a plan to relax and do what he wants to do. than the kids coming in and ruining everything. But he says, but those are the exact moments when God is meeting you to work something out in you and in them. The fact of the matter is, it brings us to the place where you're like, I'm done. Good. I'm glad you're done. You weren't doing a great job. You're going to have to rest and rely on me and trust in me. It's not just for salvation. It's for sanctification. Salvation one time, sure. Salvation worked out over time. Sanctification. Becoming holy. How do we become holy? Trust Jesus for salvation and then work really hard at trying to be good. No, by being with the one who's holy and letting him change us. Anyway, this is good though. Because it's, it's, I think it's freeing, right? And, and it also makes life a lot more interesting. To where you're not just walking around being like, oh man, I I'm, can't wait till Sunday, I'll do ministry again. It's like, oh no, you are in ministry. Everything you do is in ministry. God is working in you constantly. So when the person cuts you off, you see it as an opportunity. When uh, someone comes in and derails your plans, it's an opportunity to grow, to learn, to die to self, to align yourself with God. Lord, what are you doing here? How do you want me to respond here? How do I die to self here? And this is obviously a challenge, but this is... This is where it's all made. This is where God is working with us, in us, by faith. The just aren't just saved by faith. They shall live by faith. That's us. Okay. Uh, Verse 12. Yet the law is not of faith, but the man who does them shall live by them. So the law is not by faith. The law is you are on your own. Good luck. How is that gone? Are you stressed? Are you depressed? Are you anxious? Are you, um, how's your kingdom? Uh, is everyone bowing down to you like you had hoped they would? Is there peace? Of course not. Because the law points to lack. That's what the whole point is. The law points to lack. And, and, and faith is all about obedience, trusting in him. And as we trust in him, we see we are actually a lot more rebellious than we thought we were. We'll find out that we, uh, we actually want to go our own way a lot more than we think we do. We actually are less obedient than we had thought we were. It's kind of like the closer you draw to, to God, the more you see how messed up you are. 
The people who think they're good are the ones who don't know at all how bad they are, right? <laughs> it's like the, the closer you get to God, it's like Paul, his life. The closer he got to God, the more he recognized how messed up he was. You're like, wow, he's growing in holiness. As he's growing in holiness, he's also growing in like seeing, I have so far to go. And that's exactly where God wants us to be because that's where he can work on us, in us, through us. 13, verse 13. Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law, having having become a curse for us. For it is written, and it's from Deuteronomy 21, 23, cursed is everyone who hangs on a tree. Christ became the curse He took on the curse. He took on the the debt that we could not pay. And and he took on all of the pain and all of the suffering and uh, all the the just wrath of God onto him for us. He became a curse for us. He fulfilled the law and thus took on all the wrath of God as as we are sinners and there and it's completely been done with by him he's he's completely done away with that and 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 there's an interesting quote here cursed is everyone who hangs on a tree as we know jesus died on the cross crucifixion would not have been around when this was written obviously there's some a prophetic element to that but you're like well so what is that talking about well one of the worst things that you could have in the ancient world was uh to be um at death basically um, disrespected or put out on display for people to look at, at you dead, hung in front of everyone. You kind of saw this with, we saw this with Saul, you know, where it didn't end well. And, and it was just to show we, dis, we do not respect what this has become. Jesus was that. Obviously, he died on the cross for us. There was no more humiliate, humiliating way to die than the way that Jesus died. But he did that to to fulfill scripture, to take on the curse, to make us free. Uh, Verse 14, that the blessing of Abraham might come upon the Gentiles in Christ Jesus, that we might receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. This was all made available by what Jesus did. We are free from the curse in him, Jews and Gentiles. It had all been opened up through him. Now we've been made alive and we've been restored and empowered to do the work of the ministry, to be close to God all through what Jesus did on the cross. Verse 15, brethren, I speak in the manner of men, though it is only a man's covenant, yet it is confirmed. No one annuls or adds to it. Now to Abraham and his seed where the promise is made. He does not say, and to seeds, as of many, but as of one, and to your seed, who is Christ. Um, So verse 15, he's saying, brethren, I speak in the manner of men, though it only is a man's covenant, yet is confirmed. No one annuls or adds to it. Meaning, covenant meant something. It was a big deal, right? This is kind of like we say when you're, you know, someone struggling in marriage or dealing with potentially divorce. You made a covenant before God. This is a big deal. Like we don't just make this flippantly. We don't make this decision like without thinking about it. This is a big deal between you and the Lord and between everyone around you. There was when a covenant was made, there was, that was it. If it's confirmed, no one annuls or adds to it. That's speaking from a man's perspective. And he says, how much greater 
is, is a covenant that God made. Abraham and his seed were the promises made. He does not say into seeds as of many, but and to your seed who is Christ. Jesus was the fulfillment of the covenant. Right? And that's why the, the Gentiles have been brought in. That's how Abraham is a blessing to all generations. Jesus was the seed that would save the whole world. It, it was through him that God fulfilled his covenant. God fulfills his covenant. God fulfills his promises. All the more reason to be obedient to him. We can't even keep up with what we say, right? I mean, you got to be careful. I think about this all the time with my kids because a lot of times I'll, I'll like say yes to something with the intentions of doing it and then something comes in and changes and they said, but you said we were going to do it. Like what happened? You know, we were, it was actually happened Thursday. Thursday. It was like after, after our game. Dad, you said we were going to go to In-N-Out. Well, you know what, bud? Stuff came up. We can't do it. I guess you just, word doesn't mean anything anymore then, does it? Ooh, hold on. <laughs> no, we're going to go home because it's the right thing to do, uh, because everyone's tired. We need to make a better decision for the family than just feeding our bellies, okay? Here we go. But uh, it, it did make me think, we've got to be careful what you say, careful what you do, because our word means something, Right? And I think that a lot of times we don't trust God or, or believe in his promises is because we don't believe in our own promises, right? A promise doesn't mean anything. Covenant doesn't mean anything. If those don't mean anything, then why are we going to believe God when he says, I've made a covenant with you? You're like, yeah, but we break these all the time. I've made promises to you. These are my promises to you. Yeah, but people break promises all the time. So it kind of messes up our thinking a little bit. But to understand that this is the God who was able to speak the universe into existence, that changes our view of he can keep his promises. And as we look throughout scripture, we see him fulfilling promises thousands of years later. He doesn't forget. He doesn't, you know, this, he, he takes care of it. He's going to do it. It's over the long haul. I'm, Always amazed. Every once in a while, someone will be like, hey, I owe you, I owed you $6 from like 17 years ago. And I just, I haven't been able to see you. So here's, a, here you go. We literally got a, um, a letter one day from a lady who had gone to a women's retreat or a women's event. And she said it was $10 and I never paid. And I told Julie I would. And, um, and so it was like so long ago. And she's like, here, here's a check for that women's event from like 2003 or whatever it was. Um, and I put a little extra on it too. I just wanted to do, I'm like, oh, oh, wow. Okay. I wouldn't do that. I don't think if I was you, I'd be like, you know, it's time's gone and what are, you know, but I thought that is so cool. Someone who has a conscience before the Lord to go, you know what? Like I said, I was going to do that. This affects me. It doesn't matter. I, I'm sure what's $10, you know, one way or the other or whatever it was. But for me, it's important that I keep my word. I keep my promise. I keep my covenant. Say, I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. But because it's really, really important for us to, when God says something, to believe him. Because if we don't believe him, we start freestyling. And that is not good. That does not go well, Okay. We start scrambling. We start coming up with stuff. It's like, stick to the plan. Follow me. Don't go rogue. 
The second we start going rogue, the second we start doing it on our own, that's when justification starts. That's when we start bending the rules because we don't believe that God's rules really apply. We don't believe that his covenant, his promise really applies. So we can just flex on everything. See how a, a subtle little, in our mindset, a subtle shift leads to outright rebellion, which leads to no peace, no joy, living in the flesh. It's so subtle, but it all comes and starts from obedience before the Lord, staying humble before him. God, I trust you more than I trust me. Who can say that in here today? Right? That, I, mean, it's, I can say it, but can I live it? I trust you more than I trust me. Because your life will tell if you believe that or not, right? All of our lives will. And we all show we trust ourselves more than him sometimes. God, I know you said to just trust you in this, but let me doctor it up a little bit. He's like, oh, please do not do that. This is going to not end well. You see it over and over again. Now, again, that was Abraham, right? Figure this out. Uh, yeah, I'm not really having any babies. Uh, let's try and work this out. Let's try and make it happen. So there you go. That's, that's uh, I don't know, into your seed was Christ. It comes through Christ. Verse 17, 18 here. And this I say, that the law, which was 430 years later, cannot annul the covenant that was com- confirmed before by God in Christ, that it should make the promise of no effect. For if the inheritance is of the law, it is no longer of promise. But God gave it to Abraham by promise. So the law came over 400 years later to, through Moses, right? And what did the, the Judaizers had said? Well, yeah, he had given the promise, but that was only a kind of almost as a, as a placeholder until the law came. And then the law would show us how to really be righteous. It was of faith, sure, until we got more information. But what, what Paul's telling us is that God, he, he finishes what he started. He, he's, he didn't just say that like flippantly or with no intentions to actually fulfill it. The inheritance is not of the law. It, that would mean that it's no longer of the promise. And the promise was the righteous are justified by faith, by trusting him. This has always been what it's, the whole creation has been about, trusting him. This is what guard, the Garden of Eden was. It was beautiful. It was man trusting God. And, and walking with God and hanging out with God. And cool, that's a cool looking animal. Like, where did you come up with this one? I'm going to name that a zebra. Look at the stripes. So cool. That's nuts. Every time I go to the zoo, I'm just like shocked at how many animals there are. Like, because, you know, you kind of have like a general understanding of the big animal. But then you start getting into like the kind of obscure, like pig type, you know, boar, weird animals with, or the, tapers with these like long anteater looking you're like what in the world and you find out all these little facts about them and and why they're really important to the rest of the world and you go this is a crazy design and and the thing i think one of the first things i think is i would never have designed it like that i would not have done that i would not have made that nose do that wouldn't have thought about that wouldn't have given him the spots right there. I wouldn't have given porcupine spikes. Like, 
do we need a porcupine? Is that something that we actually need? There was literally, we were at the zoo and someone, they were walking a porcupine. That's like pretty awesome, right? It's just like cruising around, like on a leash. And I'm, and I'm just like, really? This is, I didn't know, you know, anyway. Didn't know you could do that with porcupines. And she says, yeah, but still a wild animal. So every once in a while she, she gets real angry. And so we got to be careful. Like, Fair enough, you know. <laughs> All of a sudden they're everywhere, you know. But it's like, it, honestly, look at nature. I mean, don't even get into like the deep sea because that's like, there's like electricity happening down there and like light bulbs hanging out to trick people. It's like, I don't know what is going on down there. But there, there is this crazy, gnarly, beyond us design going on because we think really lo- like in a logical kind of sense, right? Why would you do that? You got to make it like this and then like this and like this. Let's just standardize the whole thing and let's, you know, be efficient. God doesn't have to be efficient because he has everlasting resources. So your life doesn't have to be no wasted step. He's like, no, no, the, pro- the, the journey is important here. That, that's important. The thing you think, oh, I did not have time for this. He's like, no, you got time. Think about this. Jesus didn't really start his ministry Till what age? 30. When did he die? 33. Three years. Like, do you think you could have... This is God. Do you think he could have started early? Don't you think he could have been a mogul? Don't you think he could have been like a, uh, you know, an ambassador, you know, to start young and be like, wow, if there was anyone that should have started a church young, it was Jesus, right? I mean, he's in the temple as a young man confounding... the these people like what no how does he know well because he's god okay but yet what does he do gives doesn't start his ministry till he's 30 years old and only lasts three years and what do we know about that ministry that the world couldn't basically couldn't hold the books for all the things that he's done god is not worried about time he's not worried about resources he is worried about our hearts And so he does some extreme things to get a hold of our hearts. And he takes us some ways we would never have planned on going. But knowing that he gets it all, and it's all in a perfect system and in a perfect, he's got it. We recognize that there was no other way. The things you went through, you had to go through. So that you would better know who he was and how much he loved you. The stresses, the trials, the, you know, it's like, oh, I wish I could have done without that. No, you did. You, you had to deal with that. You had to go through that. And we live in a fallen world and it's, it's a big mess. But God takes everything and uses it for his good. He leverages every situation and makes it for good in our lives. So we start to recognize that nothing's a mistake. He's in the midst of all of it. That, that kind of takes our problems and shrinks them down because you go, oh, he's with me. He knows. What's my response to that? By faith. So what does that look like? Live by faith. How do we do that? Submit yourself to him. Say, I don't know where I'm going. I don't know where you're taking me. I trust you. I, look, I can look out at nature and by my stress and strain, I'm not keeping it together out there. I, you know, I can't, 
bring the rain down when we need it. I can't, you know, save the whole world. I can't just, I can't do it. It's, I'm limited. I'm a man. And, and, and we were never made to do it. So we, we, we turn to him. And we recognize that our response to all of this is, God, here I am. Search me, know me, break me down so I can learn it now and not have to do this all the time, constantly, forever. Bring me to that place of humility where I recognize I am not autonomous. I'm not my own. I'm not self-sufficient, no matter how hard I want people to think I am. That was, by the way, stop doing that because that's a bad example to everyone. None of us are self-sufficient. We all need him. We all need him. And so if we can get to that place, we're all going to minister a lot better and we'll, we'll have a lot more to share with each other. And it's way less tiring, right? And trying to act like you've got it all together because you don't. We know. People could tell, by the way. We know about you. You know, I'm just kidding. They could tell about me, all of us anyway. Yeah. But God keeps his promises. What an encouragement. He, he made this promise to Abraham and he kept it. And not only did he keep it, he kept it in an extravagant way. Abraham, you're going to be a blessing to everyone. It's going to be pretty awesome. It's going to be through your seed. You imagine Abraham, you know, you think about your kids. You're proud of your kids. And he's like, oh yeah, that was my great, 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 great. That was, that's Jesus. That's pretty cool. <laughs> He's, a, he's way down, you know, there as far as, but that's a, you know, kind of elevating the family name a little bit, right? God keeps his promises. There are blessings to obeying him, to trusting him, to listening to what he wants to say to us. Real quick, real quick. There's three curses there's three curses and there's three blessings I kind of like saw here. Uh, there's three curses that are found from living in the law or trusting in the law. Uh, first of all, the curse that sin reigns. It continues to reign. If we trust in the law, we allow sin to continue to reign in us. Not only are we not fighting it, we're actually making it worse. There's a curse of, of sin continuing to reign. Curse of death. That, that death is all there is on this side of eternity if we don't know Christ. We, that the, the only thing that we have, we know for sure, death. And sin and death work together, James 1.15. Then desire, when it is conceived, birth to sin, and sin, when it is fully grown, brings forth death. Or Romans 5.12-14. Therefore, just as sin came into the world through one man, and death through sin... So death spread to all men because all sinned. For sin indeed was in the world before the law was given. But sin is not, a, not counted where there is no law. Yet death reigned from Adam to Moses, even over those whose sinning was not like the transgression of Adam, who was the type of one who was to come. Through Adam to Moses, death and sin reigned. And, and the law, all it did was point out how guilty we really are to show us that we can't do it on our own. And then the third curse would be the curse of God's wrath. Rightfully so. God hates sin. He hates sin. And, and holiness is kind of like a forgotten thing, right? 
It's like, it's not that important, right, anymore. No, it's extremely important. God hates sin, but we could never stop sinning in and of ourselves. So the curse of God's wrath was, was found in the world before Christ. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who by their unrighteousness suppress the truth. God really did have wrath and it was all poured out on Jesus on that cross. This is why we have no hope in the law. We need Jesus to take on all of that. The sin, death. He needed to defeat sin and death and extinguish God's wrath on the cross by taking it all upon himself. And there's three blessings we receive in Christ. First one, the blessing of being positionally restored or justified. Kind of talked a lot about that. Verses, uh, Romans 6.23, for the wages of sin is death. But the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. We've been restored. Number two, the blessing of being alive to God or useful for his kingdom. Romans 6, verses 11 through 14. I know I'm kind of speeding through this here, but you can go back and look at them later. So you also must consider yourselves dead to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus. Let not sin therefore reign in your mortal body. To make you obey its passions. Do not present your members uh, to sin as instruments for unrighteousness. But present yourselves to God as those who have been bought from death to life. And your members to God as instruments for righteousness. For sin will have no dominion over you. Since you are not under law, but under grace. See, as we come to faith in Christ, we're under grace and sin doesn't have its reign on us. We have our nature we still have to deal with, but it does not own us anymore because we've been bought with the blood of Jesus. What this means is we have a life to live in him. We don't have to be instruments of unrighteousness. We get to be instruments of righteousness. So our whole life is not based around vacations and retirements. We're made to do something here and now. Instruments for him because we're no longer ruled by sin. Last one. The blessing of having fellowship again with the Father. Restoration of what had taken place all the way back at Eden, what had been lost in the fall. Romans 8, verses 38 and 39. For I'm sure that neither death nor life nor angels nor rulers nor things present nor things to come nor powers nor height nor depth nor any other create anything else in create all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Jesus Christ Jesus our Lord. We are nothing of in and of ourselves. We have everything in Christ. All our hope, all our life. He is with us. He's restored us. He's given us works to do. He has He has made us to be something that is so. to take it from being in complete rebellion to obedience, he can use us to accomplish his will, to be in line with his power, to be in line with his, just see what he's doing here on earth and be a part of it. This is good news. This is exciting. He loves us. He's all about us. But faith in him, that's not just in justification, it's in sanctification. We are in process. We need him every single step of the way. If there's anything I can encourage this week, and I've been dealing with this myself, is, is more dependence on him. 
constant dependence on him. And then for God to open our eyes to the world we're living in. Because we are not just here to hold a seat until we get to heaven. We are called to minister to those around us. And a lot of times the people God has called us to minister to are the people who really bug us. Are the people who stress us out. Are the people that are really, really close to us. It's not the, the easy ones. We don't usually get those. When you get them, that's great. But it's usually in, it's in the battles. It's in the, the struggle. It's in the... But God has called us to do that. He's called us and he is able to, to give us and supply us everything we need to do that. So I'm encouraged. I was encouraged this week. I was thinking about all this and just to be like, man, I want to be awake. I want to be awake. I want to be surrendered. And I want to trust you, God, because it's so easy to start trusting in ourselves and start thinking we've got it in and of ourselves. We don't have anything. We, everything we have is nothing. <laughs> it's going to lead to trouble one point or another because we're only as good as our, as our next bad decision. And it, don't worry, it's coming soon. You'll, you'll make it before you know it. But as we trust him, he leads us, he guides us, and he, and he directs us to be useful instruments in his hand for not unrighteousness, but for righteousness, for his will. Let's pray. Lord, thank you so much for the calling you have for us, Lord. Um, that is, it's not just for some group of people you've called each person